to Psalm 46, and we'll get there in just a moment. A great psalm of Scripture, one that Martin Luther really enjoyed. Before we get that, I, I, you know, it's so great to be back with you again today. This, I was thinking a moment ago, this is one of my favorite places in all of the earth. My favorite place is next to my wife. My second favorite is with my family. And my third favorite is on this platform. You know, when you, when you did something for 20-some years of your life, it's kind of like home. And seeing your faces, it's kind of like being back home again. And so I'm just glad to be with you today, and I hope the Word of God is a blessing to you. We certainly live in crazy days, don't we? I just had a birthday, which means I'm getting more perspective in life, not older. And I don't think I've ever seen a day like today. It's just bizarre. No matter where you turn, crazy things are happening, aren't they? I, I just, who would have believed it? Um, so we live in this difficult world with so many issues that sometimes we're tempted to give up hope, right? No, come on, I've talked to some of you. We live in discouragement. Can anything change? Colin and I were reflecting on that this morning, and, and I said, you know, we've lost a great, we've lost a Christian leader in America that stands up and says, don't forget God. You know, we've lost that in our society. We used to have a guy, like him or not, his name was Billy Graham. He was in the ear of the presidents all the time. And he was in the ear of the nation saying, don't forget God. And I said, you know, even back, Colleen, when Ronald Reagan was president and, and I was invited to go to the White House with other pastors and talk about issues of the day and, and you know what they really wanted to do in all the moral majority? It's, let's not so much promote God. They talked about that, but let's rally Christians to get the right person in the White House and then our lives are going to be Okay. That's never the solution. We've got to figure out in calamities of life, and we've got to figure out in the issues that hit us, how do we live? It goes beyond that. You see, often we're overwhelmed with personal difficulties. You have them all the time in your life, don't you? You're going along in life, and all of a sudden something comes out of the blue and just nails you. And sometimes those difficulties are so severe that we live life in discouragement. And even sometimes we are tempted to give up on God. We get disillusioned with Christianity and saying, I'm not sure this thing's working. I pray nothing happens. Things don't go my way. Does this really work? So in the midst of all the stuff we're facing as a nation and as a world, and in our lives, here's the question for us today. How do we thrive, not just survive, in all of life's challenges? As I get older, I think about death a little bit more often, and I, I, not in a morbid way, please, just, you know, that's, oh, I'm going to die. I, I know I'm going to die. But I think about what kind of life am I living that's going to influence my children and my grandchildren so that they know that life is worth living and it's worth living with God. 
So how do we thrive? I don't want to just make it through. I want to live thriving, don't you? I want to make sure everybody knows there's a God in heaven. And he makes a difference in your life. So how am I going to make it through? We must begin, if we're going to do this, seeing God for who God is. I think we need an elevated view of God again, don't you? We need to get God back on his throne. We need to realize that life revolves around God, not God around us. We need to stop making God what we want God to be, <clears throat> excuse me, and realize God is God and there's no one like him. And when I get God elevated again, and I begin to see what God does, then I can begin to live the abundant life that God promised me to live. So how am I going to get there? Well, Psalm 46 talks about that, and it tells us that God is our refuge. And if we ever needed a refuge, friends, it's today. Do you ever get tired watching the news? Whew. I can take so much of it and turn it off and say, let's talk about something else, huh? So how am I going to make it? I go to my refuge. And here's the, here's the first thing I want you to understand today. Because God is our refuge, we have no need to fear. Are you tired of living in fear? I mean, <clears throat> are you going to get the virus? You're not going to get the virus. Could I tell you something? You don't know until you get it. Why are we living in fear? <clears throat> now, I'm not saying don't take safety precautions. Don't, you know, everybody reads everything the wrong way today. I'm just saying, friends, stop living in fear. Look at your Bibles in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We do not have to fear because of who God is. God is our refuge. He is a place of trust and safety. In times of trouble, God is our hiding place where we can find comfort and gain courage to face our troubles. The book of Proverbs puts it this way, that we are to flee to God in the storms of life for safety. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. So, when bad news hits you personally, when bad news hits the nation, what do we do? We run! We turn around and we run to God and say, this is really bad, God. I need you right now more than anything else in the world. You see, our first step when things hit us is to turn to God. It's not to wring our hands and say, oh, what's going to happen next? No, it's to run to God. And I want to illustrate that in just a minute when I put the second thing in. He's not only our refuge, but he is our strength. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's our source of strength, holding us up under our burdens. Don't you love Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Can we make it through this pandemic, Christian friend? Yes, in the strength of Almighty God. 
Can you make it through whatever news you received this week that might not have been so good? Yes, in the strength of Almighty God. You see, my friends, we may rely on God's strength as if it were our very own strength. I get the bad news. I run to God, and what does God do? He gives me strength to face whatever it is I'm facing. You got a business dilemma? Face it in the strength of God. But you won't get the strength until you run to Almighty God first. So would you take that thing that's facing you right now in your family, in our nation, in your personal life, and ask yourself this question, have I run to God yet for his strength? For the safety in the storms of life. Because if you do, you're going to find strength to face whatever it is you're facing. Let me illustrate it with this. Several of you were here when I faced my mental challenges. When I went to the doctor, I said, what is wrong with me? And after she examined me, I said, what is going on with me? And she looked at me. She said, you have three options. I don't remember what the first two were because the third one was so bad. I was like. She said, I really think you have early onset Alzheimer's. That will jolt your world. Now, listen carefully. I don't have early onset Alzheimer's. Besides, at my age, it wouldn't be early onset anymore anyhow. (laughs) I have another condition that has affected my brain. But I was thinking about that this morning. I got that news on Wednesday about 4.30 in the afternoon. Watch this. The day before Thanksgiving. My whole family's coming in for Thanksgiving. How do you tell your kids what you might have? Do you wait till they all gathered around the table on Thanksgiving and said, by the way, I think I ought to tell you something? We told them, I'll tell you what, that Thanksgiving meal was filled with so many tears. I'll never forget the look on my daughter's face. But on the way home from the doctor, I said to Colleen, there's three things I don't want to do. Number one, I don't want to dishonor the Lord. Because, you know, sometimes your brain goes and does things you wouldn't normally do. Second thing is, I don't want to dishonor you, Colleen, or my family. And the third thing is, I don't want to dishonor my church. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that my normal response? No, my normal response is, you got to be kidding. Where'd that come from? It came from God as my refuge and strength. That when I heard the news, it was instantly to God and say, you got to help me with this thing. I don't know what I'm doing. And I guarantee you, the same God who helped me through my weakness will help you through your weakness. He is our refuge and strength. And let me go one step further with that illustration. Do you know how many times I've been able to help people whose spouse is going through a difficult time mentally? Because I know what they're going through and God's allowed me to have enough sense of what's going on to be able to say, yeah, I know from your perspective, but let me tell you from their perspective what's going on. And the healing it's been able to bring to marriages in a very difficult time. And I want you to know, God will do the same thing for you. Do you believe that? 
So what's your difficult time that you're facing right now? That if you run to God, he will give you the strength and the rest to be able to help you so that you can, in turn, 1 Corinthians 1, help somebody else in their time of need. God is our refuge. He's our strength. You say, well, yeah, but that's good to you. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus is your Savior? Well, that wasn't very good. Do you know Jesus is your Savior? Then the same God who took care of me will take care of you. And watch this. He is a very present help in trouble. God is our helper. No no matter what we face, friends, God comes to our aid. He will help us. And he is ever present. He never leaves us. And he always, listen, he always proves faithful. So take that trouble you're facing and run and get the strength you need and realize God is right there and he will help you. I really believe we need help in America today. And those of you who've been around me long enough know that I don't get political in my messages, so don't read into this, okay? I believe that we need an end to injustice and murder and violent crimes, greed, abortion, and all sorts of sinful practices. We need an end to the pandemic, friends. We need an end to the falsehood that goes on from our leaders in both parties. How are we going to do it? Mobilize more? Get more right people elected? Nope. It's never been God's answer. If things are going to change in America, believers... Believers must humble themselves, putting away their sinful practices, and seek God. The New Testament says, if judgment is to begin, let it begin in the house of God. Here's what God told Israel. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now I know, I know my theology and I know that this is Old Testament promise that the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, had the land as their inheritance and God would heal that land. But I think the same principle applies today. If I have a problem in my nation, what do I do? I go to my refuge... I find strength. I do what he says, humble myself and pray. I turn from my wicked ways. I seek him and God will in turn do a great and powerful work. We need a day of revival in America today. And a revival that's true among Christians where we acknowledge God once again the way he ought to be acknowledged. You know how desperate things are getting in America? 
in a 10-year stretch, and I won't name the 10-year stretch, or you're going to say, oh, that's because this person was doing whatever. And No. In a 10-year stretch not long ago, do you know that we went from 77% of people in America professing Christianity to 66%? We lost 11% of America's population who said they were Christians in that 10-year period of time. You know what the fastest-growing thing was during that time? Atheism. Do you think we have a problem in America today? And when we recognize a problem, we pray. Again, I've been around long enough. I was, I was talking to some, somebody one day, and they were a high school student, and they were, I was teasing them, well, Wortman's, where are you? It was Betsy. <laughs> and she was, I was saying, you know, she was in the office one day, and I said, you know, if you guys would go to school when you're supposed to go to school, you'd get out sooner. You know, because I went, I, I went in the old days, you didn't have as many days of schools, and, and I'm not sure we're that much different. But anyhow, it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I said, you know, I'd love people to go to, to school on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I know some of you aren't going to like this, but here's what I want you to go to school for. I want you to learn about Martin Luther King Jr. Instead of playing video games all day. I want you to learn the blood that was shed for the freedom of people of a certain skin color. <laughs> Poor Betsy. She looked at me and she said, well, did you have Martin Luther King Jr. Day off? <laughs> I said, he was still alive, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember the day he was shot. My point is this. There were times in America's history, let me take you on a quick trip. There were times like the Cuban Missile Crisis when pastors called on their people to pray that America would not be hit by a nuclear bomb. There was a day when John F. Kennedy was killed and the nation was called upon to what? Pray. 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 There was a day when the Challenger exploded and we were called upon to pray. And at the memorial service, President Reagan had Psalm 46 read because he knew we needed God. There was a day, September 11, 2001, where the nation was called upon to pray. Those of you who were around this place, well, we weren't here, we were down in the other building. Do you remember our prayer meeting that day? The whole bottom of the auditorium was filled to capacity with people who came to pray. Churches across the nation were filled with people praying because our leaders said pray. I want to ask you a simple question. With 5 million people dead across the world and over 700,000 Americans dead in the pandemic, when's the last time a leader stood up and said, please pray? It's trust the vaccine. Trust the scientists. Christian, sometimes we have swallowed that hook, line, and sinker. It is time for us to pray.
It is time for us to seek the God of heaven again. Have I got myself in enough trouble yet? We need it, friends, desperately. I want to move on, and I want you to realize that when we go to the refuge, nothing should shake us. Did you hear that? Nothing should shake us. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the, its waters roar with, and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. You know what that word means, by the way? I don't like the fact they put it way off to the side and we don't ever read it anymore. You know what it means? As best as we can determine, it means, it's a musical term meaning pause. Stop and think about what you just read. We have no reason to fear. Why? God is our refuge. Stop and think about that for a minute. That's what he's saying here. You see, friends, our confidence in God must be unshaken. We have no reason to fear. Why? Because God is with us. And according to Paul, if God is with us, who can be against us? Let's read it this way. If God be for us, who cares what's against us? God's on our side. Do you understand that? So no calamity in life should cause us to fear, even if the most stable things in all the world, the mountains, just vanish overnight. Do not be afraid. You say, how can you do that? I don't understand that. We do not fear because we know that everything will end well for the followers of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I have great faith and confidence in God that everything's going to turn out just the way he planned it. By the way, before I give you this plan, this is a wonderful day to be alive. Did you know that? Now, granted, I'm older. I already told you that, right? Do you know how many older people don't have any answers to anything? They're so confused about the politics in Washington. They're so confused about the pandemic. They're so confused. And you know what's so great? I love, especially when I'm in Florida, be in the swimming pool and just talk. Because old people don't swim. They just walk around. <laughs> so you walk around and you talk to people. And they're all confused. And they go, and, and, and so, you know, I just slip in every once in a while. I'll say, you know, I think God's got everything in control. And they go, and I just say, do you know that according to my study of the Bible, I don't see America mentioned in the end times? And they go, What? Not there. There's no power from the West coming towards Israel. So that means God's up to something right now. And what is God up to? And you have a wonderful opportunity to share Jesus with them. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't live in fear. Capitalize on the day and begin to share with people who are lost and confused and can't figure out life that there's hope in Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear. Listen to this. 
Revelation 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have what? Passed away. You know what? God wins. I'm on his side, so guess what? I get to win. So why am I living in fear on the face of this earth? God's got it in control. Our refuge, secondly this morning, is our source of unfailing strength and hope. Our source of unfailing strength and hope. He begins with kind of just this Weird little imagery if you don't see it right. He said, there is a river. There's a river? How did we go from all of this, God is our refuge, to there's a river? He said, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is here, pictured as a calm and gently flowing river, Showing us peace and security when everything is falling apart. I like to be by rivers. I like to be by water. I grew up on water. I like water. But there's something about a gently flowing river. It's peace and security. And he said, in the midst of all of life, there's this peaceful thing going on, and it's, it's God. So if God is peace in the midst of calamity, and I've gone to him for my refuge and strength, then, Christian, I need to be calm and serene in the midst of a world filled with agitation because we're strengthened by the streams from God. These are the streams of God's mercy and goodness which are constantly flowing into our lives. Isn't God good? Isn't he merciful? And every day it's coming into my life, I don't need to fall apart. What are the streams God God uses? Well, God's word streaming into our life gives us direction. Remember the verse you might have learned if you went to vacation Bible school years ago? Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't know which way I'm going. God's word will show me. Every single time he'll show me. He'll give me direction out of his word. Sometimes I read God's word and I say, oh, that makes sense for what I'm facing in this life. This is how I go. This is what I do. This is how I motivate in life. The Holy Spirit overflowing in our lives gives us daily help. John 14, 16 said, I will ask the Father and I will, he will give you another comforter or another helper to be with you forever. Don't you love the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Fan his flame. Don't put out his fire. He'll take the word of God to direct your life in the calamities of life. He'll help you navigate that every single time. There's one other stream that God uses. I'm so glad Matt talked about us being back together. That was so weird, preaching to cameras. I mean, you preach your heart out, and nobody ever responded. They just, the camera just stared back at you, and it's like, hmm, I wonder if everybody's just tuned off and going got coffee right now. I don't know what's going on. 
It's the fellowship of other believers will help us walk successfully. That's why so many years ago we started life groups around here. Why? Because we need each other to do life together. To walk successfully through life. That when I'm down, somebody can pick me up. When I'm encouraged, I can encourage somebody else. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, I need God's dreams of mercy and goodness, of his word, of the Holy Spirit, and of other Christians constantly flowing into my life, or I'm going to be bound for discouragement in the midst of life's trials. And then, don't miss it in verse (laughs) 4. When we allow God to work, we are made glad. You see it? Discouragement or being made glad. It's all on your perspective of God and what he's doing in your life. And we're made glad. And the city of God is Jerusalem, his holy habitation, but it is also Ascribe to the church of God. It's a picture of the church and say, God is right there. He'll help you and your life will be filled with joy. There's a helper. We talked about this a little bit ago, but it said in in verse five, these words, God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved or she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Our helper, listen, our helper will not be crushed. Our helper takes us from the darkness of night and helps us see the dawn. Remember in Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Have you ever spent a restless night <laughs> and you're filled with fears? Man, there's sometimes, especially when I was pastoring, man, all this stuff would come into my brain. I'm like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What's this? And then morning would come and go, oh, it's okay. I have news for you. Morning's coming. It's the return of Jesus Christ. Morning's coming in your midst of problems because the helper is there to help you. Joy comes in the morning. Do you see again? Let's get our eyes off our difficulties. Let's get them on Jesus and let's see the joy that he can bring into our lives. I want you to see there's a silencer in verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, I like this, the earth melts. Everybody's in this strong, no, 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 and they're waging wars and they're doing all these things. And and, and God just simply says, enough. And they're dissolved by his words. He puts an end to turmoil, so I also understand, friends, He will surely take care of me. If he can stop the nations of the world, I recognize that he is the sovereign king. And no one else can compare with him. More on that in just a minute. And then there's a presence. Look at this in verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Think about it. There's a presence. The captain of the Lord of hosts is with us. He is our helper. He is on our side. The same God that Jacob worshipped 
who never changes is still working today. Do you believe that? I watch what I like what uh, McLaren said. McLaren was a preacher in the 19th century. He said this What God has been to any man, he will be to every man if the man lets him. Isn't that great? You know, I read the Old Testament, see all these wonderful men back there. And then I read the New Testament and said, Elijah was a man just like us. Wow. So you know what that says? What God was to Elijah, God will be to me if I let him. If I let him. There's a presence. But then we turn the corner. We have a God who is our refuge. Listen to this. Who is the all-powerful God. And it's that all-powerful God that we lift to the highest throne, that we put in the highest place of our life, that we constantly look to in the midst of the storms of life. So what do I do with this all-powerful God? Here's the first thing I do if I'm going to rise out of the, the doldrums of life and out of the calamities of life. I observe his works. Look at this in verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. God is this wonderful God who comes and, and he just wins the battles for us. And when we see all that God has done, we can see how secure we are in him. You see, if God can create the universe, I think he can take care of me. If God can create the universe, don't you think he can take care of the woes of America if we'll just turn to him? That's the God we serve. He's the all-powerful God. Take a look at his works. Take a look at the lives of people. See what he's doing. And if God can do it in them, God can do it in you. Amen. Get hope. God who can stop every enemy we have, and someday he will stop our greatest enemy, Satan, he can also help us. But here's where it gets to the nitty-gritty right now. I not only observe his works, I had Matt sing that song earlier because I want us to observe him. Look at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. There's a clear call for us to be still, to stop fearing and just be still. Slow down and be calm before him. Leave everything in his hands. He knows what he's doing. But I have to slow down. The prophet Elijah was going through a really, really tough time in his life and in his ministry. And God knew that he needed to assure him of his presence and his plan for his life. So he, he takes him out into a, a certain region. You can read about it in 1 Kings 19. And he ministers to his soul. And it's time for God to speak. Remember the passage? And God sends a strong wind. And Elijah expected God to do something. There was nothing. He sent an earthquake and there was nothing. He sent a fire 
and there was nothing. God wasn't in them. Then the English Standard Version said that God spoke to him, I like this, in a low whisper. He had to get Elijah still and quiet, and he could minister to his needs. You see, in today's day and age, we want God to show up for us in big ways, do miraculous things. But when God wants to calm our hearts and minister to our souls, it is done in the stillness when the Holy Spirit speaks to our souls in low whispers. God speaks to us not in the hurried and frantic paces of our lives, but in the still and quiet times. It is when I'm quiet before the Lord that I can reflect on his power, his greatness, and his majesty. And when I focus on those things, the difficulties of life become small. But when I focus on the difficulties of life, I become fearful and frantic and powerless and helpless. It's all a matter of my perspective. When I focus on Jesus, I begin to gain strength for my life. Here's how Isaiah put it. Have you not known and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of, earth, of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and grow weary, and young men shall fall exhaust, exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Boy, don't we need that today, Christian? Forget the discouragement. Let's start walking in a way that we're empowered by God. Because we not only need it for our daily lives, we need it because the world needs Jesus. You see, when my focus is on the Lord, not the situations of life, I see that he can handle all of life's problems. And then I can say, no matter what I'm facing, it is well, it is well with my soul. Be still. And know that I am God. We are so busy in today's society, are we not? We're running all over the place. I watch my neighbors with young kids, and I tell you what, I'm exhausted just watching them. <laughs> By the way, for those of you who think getting older is so bad, retirement isn't so bad. You know what you get to do? You get to go sit on your back patio and do nothing. <laughs> and quite often when I walk out on the back patio, the Spirit of God speaks to my heart about, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. That's what God wants us to do. Slow down. Put the brakes on. And think about God. Men, our brains are wired differently than our ladies. Our ladies, it's all spaghetti and electric circuits and all mushed together, okay? And they can't think of one thing without thinking about three things. Man, we got it so easy. 
our brain is like boxes. We pull it out and we think about that thing. When we're done, we put it back in. And by the way, women, we do have nothing boxes. <laughs> what are you thinking about? Nothing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I got my nothing box out. So would you do this once in a while? Would you go sit on the back deck, the back porch, a quiet place, and just pull out the God box? And think about God. And you'll be surprised how some of the troubles of this life will just not be that important anymore. Be still and know that I am God. Know that he is God. There's no one who can be compared to our God. Do you believe that? Isaiah put it this way, fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you of old and, and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. And then know in that verse that God will be exalted above all. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted. Let me give you one more thing. Rejoice at his presence and protection. Look at verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Think about that and let it change your life. So I have some questions for you today. How often do you slow down in life to allow God to speak to you and to calm your soul? Just think for a minute. When's the last time you just sat down and thought about God? I don't listen. I don't mean. Oh, I better, better get my five minutes in the Word today. Okay. Now, when's the last time you sat down and thought about God? So let me give you a couple of challenges. Here's the first one. As we face life's challenges, let us look to Jesus, the Author and, fin and Perfecter of our faith keeping our eyes on our eternal joy reserved for us in heaven. When the calamities come, run to the refuge, gain your strength, and think about the future that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, and he has reserved in heaven for us eternal joy. What a difference it'll make in our lives. And can you take a challenge for me for this week? No, can you take a challenge this week? No, can you really take a challenge this week? It's tough. 
It's going to mean some hard work for you. Here it is. Take time every day this week to be still and know that God is God and that you can trust him in every situation you face in life. You're going to have to work at it because everything is going to rip at you to take all of your time away. But force yourself to take some time and be still and know that he is God and see if your life doesn't take on a little bit different perspective for next week. Some of you in here may not know Jesus. You need to be still right now and come face to face with him. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to take away your sin, but listen to this. He wants to give you a brand new life. So you don't have to live in discouragement and in fear and frustration anymore because you know the author of life. You know our eternal hope, Jesus Christ. And he's the only one who can get us out of this mess. And he's the only one who can give you hope for your future. If you need to know Jesus, there are going to be some of our people down front who would love to pray with you about a relationship with him. Or maybe your life is just right now filled with frantic hurriedness and you're disillusioned, you're facing a problem. Listen, these people are down here to pray with you. I want you to come and let's leave this place, not somehow, but triumphantly in the power and strength of Almighty God, realizing that what happens to us from this day forward can be handled in the strength and power of the Almighty if I'll run to God as my refuge and strength. Father, would you help us, I pray. Give us courage, give us strength, give us wisdom, and give us victory. And God, may we run to you as our strong tower and be still and know that you are God. I pray in the name of Jesus.
so good to sing with you and to worship with you. Thank you, Pastor Roger, for bringing us the message this morning. Go and be still and know that he is God in all that you do. Say this week. We love you. We'll see you next week.